You ever get ready to do something, something a little bit scary maybe, um, and you're about to do it, but you just don't have the nerve. Maybe you're, you know, you want to say something to someone, but you chicken out. Um, or you want to do this crazy thing, but then right at the last minute, you bail. Oftentimes, fear gets the best of us, and it prevents us from doing the things that ultimately we will be really happy if we did. It stops us from having the kind of full and even adventurous, dare I say, adventurous life that God wants for us. We've been starting a series now. We're in week three of Simon Peter, Imperfect Disciple, looking at Peter's life through the Gospels and through the book of Acts and his ministry. Part one, uh, Reverend Dr. Anna Robbins was here. She spoke about leaving the boats behind when Peter made this massive decision to leave behind the life that he knew and to follow Jesus. Last week, I talked about witnessing miracles, how early in Jesus' ministry, Jesus was doing all these signs and wonders and, and those miracles that Peter saw firmed up his faith, confirmed his decision to follow Jesus. Today, we're going to talk about walking on water. And it's a similar, we're actually going to have, it's a very similar theme to what Anna preached, but we're going to go a little bit deeper into it. Uh, we're going to talk about Peter's courage, what it took for him to get out of that boat, overcoming the things that keep you from having the kind of walk with Jesus that your heart longs for. I want to tell you about an adventure that I went on when I was in middle school or junior high. Um, I was uh, a venturer, so after Boy Scouts, the next thing after you graduate out of that is venturers. So I was, I did Boy Scouts all the way from Cubs through Scouts, or through Cubs, uh, no, Beavers, Cubs, Scouts, and then Venturers. I did the whole, the whole thing. Um, I stopped before, before I got my Queen Venturer thing because I didn't think that it was very cool to be a Queen <laughs> Venturer, so I stopped. Um, but anyway, uh, plus it was a lot of work and I didn't want to do it. <laughs> but we went on this great trip as venturers to Isle Haute. You ever seen this island in the Bay of Fundy? Uh, that's where it's located. If you go to the next slide, you can get a, uh, pic a better picture of it. That's Isle Haute from the air. Um, you've probably heard of Isle Haute. In fact, uh, Bill Casey, who was the MLA here, just spent a lot of time um, working to, or the MP, I guess, the MP, spent a lot of time working to protect Isle Haute uh, as a protected area. So it's now a protected area. But uh, back in the 90s or whenever it was, and I went, it wasn't, and anybody could go there, and you could camp and do whatever you want. So we uh, chartered a fishing boat from Harborville, and we went across the bay on this amazing boat ride uh, on, on the Bay of Fundy, and we went to Isle Hope for a weekend of camping and hiking and adventure and rest and relaxation. It's pretty cool. If the next slide, you can see this is what it looks like on the island. That's the beach. There's a on one side of the island, if you go back one slide actually, you'll see the sandy part down in the bottom uh, with a little inland lake. That's where you can camp. And the rest of the island is very high. That's, Isle Hope means high island. It's very high up, the huge cliffs. Um, but you can explore that there's trails all across the top of the island, but people camp down on this sandbar that comes down. So next slide, that's what it looks like at the sandbar with a little inland lake where, of course, there's buried treasure, everyone reports. So we, you know us boys, we spend a lot of time looking for that treasure. Um, and next slide is what I'll hope looks like from the water as you're traveling towards it. Um, so we had this great opportunity to go to this island. But there was one part 
of this trip that made us nervous. And, and the part of the trip that made us nervous was we knew when we got there that we were going to have to get off of this fishing boat and get onto the island. But there was no dock. Uh, we, so how are we going to get from this boat to the island? Well, now there's two. I, I remember it differently than some people. Some people say that there was a rowboat and we went in the rowboat. I don't remember a rowboat. I remember that we had to... Um, that we had to jump into the water off of the boat. The boat got as close as it could, and then we had to jump into the water with our packs above our heads and wade into, and wade into the island. Maybe there was a robot, I don't know. But I remember getting wet, and I remember it being scary uh, as a middle school boy having to disembark from this boat on slippery rocks, and there was jellyfish, and, and, uh, and trying not to get our stuff all wet because that would ruin the whole weekend. So it was dangerous. And, uh, and, and, you know, the water wasn't still, right? It was, it was a bit of a scary thing. But we knew there was this adventure waiting for us on the island if we could just get off the boat. If we could just get off that boat and muster the courage to get into that water, to jump in and go for it, we knew we were going to have an amazing experience. We knew that if we turned back at the hard part, we would miss out on the best part. So the first lesson is don't turn back at the hard part because you'll miss out on the best part. Get out of the boat. So let's go to Matthew chapter 14. This is our text for this morning. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. And starting at verse 22. Immediately, he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. This is on the Sea of Galilee. The first whole part of Jesus' ministry, in fact, most of his ministry, was spent teaching, preaching, doing miracles in and around the area of the Galilee uh, region, the Sea of Galilee, which is really a lake. So he, uh, he made them get in a boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. It was kind of a stormy night. And in the fourth watch of the night, this is late, this is the middle of the night, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. 
And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Amen. Now, when we read this story, we often focus on Peter's failure. We're good at pointing at people's failures, aren't we? (laughs) Ah, Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. He sank. And the lesson is, don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Don't be like Peter. Well, was this a failure of Peter? Was this really a failure of Peter? Well, in a way it was. In a way it was. He started out well, and then he lost focus. Jesus helps him up, and Jesus rebukes him for his lack of faith. So yes, we could talk about this story as a time when Peter's faith faltered. We could talk about Peter as a failure, as an imperfect disciple. But I like what John Ortberg says. John Ortberg wrote a great book called If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. Uh, and he says, John Ortberg says this. He says, there were 11 bigger failures in the boat. <laughs> Peter got out of the boat. Peter took the risk. Jesus said, come. And Peter dared to step out of the boat in a storm in the middle of the night. That's a win. That's a big win. That's a demonstration of faith and trust in Jesus. Here's the key idea, number one. I'm missing out if I'm still in the boat. I'm missing out if I'm still in the boat. So Peter's out in the boat. Peter's doing this crazy, dangerous, thrilling thing with Jesus. And there's 11 others huddled in the boat, choosing not to join Jesus in the water. So let's talk about this boat for a second. Could I have my volunteer, please? Go get my prop. You're my volunteer, Russ. Remember that? All right. He's going to get my prop for me. I want to talk about this boat for a second. All right. This right here. Thanks. Thanks, brother. This right here is the Explorer 200. This is a beauty of a vessel. Um, This actually is not mine. This belongs to um, Hannah and Justin and their family. Uh, because I used to have one of these, actually had two of these, um, the exact same model, Explorer 200, $25 at Canadian Tire, and uh, took this took this puppy down the uh, Gaspro River one day, and uh, and it, it made contact with a piece of metal rebar that was sticking up, and it exploded. <laughs> so, so then I had my replacement, and that one had a pinhole in it, and it was so it didn't work from the get-go. Uh, So I borrowed this one from Justin and Hannah, but this is a beauty of a thing, the Explorer 200. Now, let's just talk about this for a second, the boat in this story. And these 11 disciples huddled in the boat. What does the boat represent? Well, I think for all of us, the boat represents comfort. The boat represents safety. I'm going to get in the boat. The boat represents... The things in life that, that are, you know, are, are routine, are happy things, the things that are safe, that are comfortable. The boat, the boat represents 
our paycheck, our jobs. The boat represents our, our family life, our home, you know, our car, all of our belongings. The boat represents, you know, our free time, our hobbies and our activities. Uh, the boat represents, uh, you know, our favorite TV shows and scrolling through Facebook, you know. It's just this nice little life. It's the American dream, right? You know, it's great. We get to have this wonderful life. Uh, life is good in the boat. Yes, indeed. the boat is. The boat's boring. <laughs> what happens when we're in the boat? You know, we fall asleep. We fall asleep to what Jesus is calling us to. We fall asleep to the needs of the people around us. And you know, we can live in the boat if we want to. We can be a boat disciple. We can, we can get on the Christian cruise to heaven in salvation, trust in Jesus, and we can cruise all the way to glory. Hallelujah. But you know what? The Christian life was never meant to be lived in the boat. The Christian life is meant for something so much more than that. Because where is Jesus in this story? Jesus isn't in the boat. Jesus is not in the boat. Jesus is out of the boat, and he's calling us to a life. Oh, let me get out of here without smashing my face. <laughs> Jesus is calling us to walk on the water. He's calling us to something greater than that. If, you f if you're in the boat and you feel like there's, there's something missing in life or you're missing out on something or, or that there's, more, there's got to be more to life than this, there is. There is. Jesus is calling us to get out of the boat, to jump in, to hike the island, to live the adventure. He's, he's out there. He's at work in our neighborhoods. Jesus is on the front lines. And he's saying to us, he's inviting us, he's saying, come, just as he said to Peter, come. Come on, join me out here. Dive in, Gene. <laughs> Shannon, come on. Follow me. I, I'm, I'm doing this great adventure. I'm on this great adventure in your community, and I want you to be part of it. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. John Oberg says this, too. He says, choose comfort or choose growth, but you can't choose both. At our home in Perth Andover, we lived in the parsonage. And it had this uh, thermostat on the wall that always struck me as a great sermon illustration. If you put that picture up, this is a picture of the thermostat in Perth Andover. And it's right in the middle, it says comfort zone. <laughs> I've never seen a thermostat that says comfort zone on it. This one has the comfort zone on it. And, uh, you know, the comfort zone is the boat. 
In, in, in Revelation chapter 3, we have this letter. Um, well, we have in the book of Revelation, we have several um, notes that are given in the first couple chapters to churches, letters to churches. These were real churches um, in the region of Turkey or Greece today. Um, and uh, in John's revelation, Jesus gave him messages to share to these churches. And uh, almost every church that he sends these messages to, there's, uh, there's some positive things about the churches and some things they need to work on. Uh, maybe they've got some idol worship going on or a lack of love or whatever. But the last church that, uh, that Jesus speaks to is uh, the church of Laodicea. And he has nothing good to say about the church in Laodicea. Let's read this in Revelation 3, uh, starting at verse 15. This is to the church in Laodicea. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. I wish you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich and I have prospered and I need nothing. I'm living this great boat life. Man, life is good. Got a good paying job, you know, got a happy little family. Things are all right, you know, pretty comfortable. Got my big screen TV. I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. Everything's great. Not realizing, however, strong words here, that you are wretched, pitiable, 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 poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to, to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. And it goes on. He's telling them, stop being lukewarm. Stop living in your comfort zone. Little life. He wants us to be cold or hot. He wants, you know, cold is good on a, on a hot day, right? If, you, if it's a super hot day, you need a cold drink, it's refreshing. Hot is good on a cold day. You're outside in the winter, you come in, you have a nice hot cup of coffee or hot chocolate or whatever. It's so nice. It's great. But lukewarm, who wants that? Nobody wants lukewarm Coca-Cola. Nobody wants lukewarm coffee. Yuck. And this is what God is saying. God wants a church that's making a difference. God wants Christians that are having an effect, that are changing things, hot or cold, but not letting things just be as they are. If we all get all lukewarm on him, if we get all comfort zone-y and complacent, he literally finds us distasteful. If we want to follow Jesus, we cannot be satisfied with the status quo. We can't just live our whole lives in the boat like everyone else. Jesus doesn't call us to conform. He calls us to be transformed and to be transformers. There's more than meets the eye. Transformers. <laughs> he calls me out upon the water, the great unknown, where feet may fail. It's risky. It is risky. But that's where we find Jesus. 
That's where we grow. Choose comfort or choose growth, but you can't choose both. Let's talk about the fear factor for a second. Um, there was something else about this trip to Isle Haute that um, made us nervous. One was getting off the boat in the first place. Um, and the second thing was the, the isolation factor, that we were out there um, without, this was before cell phones and all that stuff, right before all of us had iPhones in our pockets. And, you know, we were worried. What if something happened? What if someone was injured? What if there's a hurricane? What are we going to do out here? Well, our leaders told us that the Coast Guard um, uh, knew we were out there. I don't know if that was true or not, but that's what they told us anyway. <laughs> they set our minds at ease. Uh, and that they had a shortwave radio to contact the Coast Guard if there was an emergency. There was actually a helicopter, or it still is probably, a helicopter landing pad up on the top of the island, so they could send a helicopter in if there was an emergency. Uh, one call and people could be there. So even though, you know, it, there, was, there was a real element of danger, there was. We were out there on our own. There, it, was, it wasn't the safest thing for a bunch of junior high kids to be doing. There was risk involved, but truly we weren't alone. We weren't alone. And this is how we should think about the Christian life as well. Jesus invites us to get out of the boat and, uh, and to step outside our comfort zone to serve him radically. And that's dangerous. That's scary. It's risky. Some people are going to think that we're weird uh, because it is weird to follow Jesus radically in this day and age for the sake of his kingdom. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be risky. But there's really nothing to fear because we don't walk alone. Key idea number two. I have nothing to fear when I am inside the will of God. In fact, I'd be more afraid to be in the boat without Jesus than to be out of the boat with him. And I say that with all sincerity. There are many times in life, I, I could have chosen, my life could have gone a totally different direction. A much easier path. I could have made a lot more money probably doing a number of various other things. Um, but I wouldn't have been inside the will of God. And to me, that's a terrifying prospect. That's what truly scares me. Being outside of God's will. The safest place in the world is in the center of God's will. Because that's exactly where Jesus is. Fear not, for I am with you, God says. Man, we should really take that to heart. Fear not, for I am with you. Go to the next slide. If you're a child of God, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. That's huge. Romans 8:11. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And you have the God of the universe with you. He said in Matthew 28, I am with you always. You have gifts that he has given you, ministry to which he has called you. What is there to be afraid of? The most repeated command in the Bible is what? Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. The most repeated command in the Bible is fear not. I'm easily distracted, sorry. Okay. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Get out of the boat. Fear not. He's with you. 
The God of angel armies is by your side. Fear not. Even if you die or get killed in the process, even if you go to the mission field and somebody kills you because of your faith in Jesus, there, there is no fear in death, only more life. So don't let fear be the thing that holds you back from plunging headfirst into what Jesus has for you. And sure, you might mess up. You might find your faith wavering from time to time like Peter's did, but take the risk anyway. I love this verse in Romans 8.15. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, slaves, slaves to this life. Instead, you have received God's spirit. You have the Holy Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Romans 8.15. Don't turn back at the hard part because you'll miss out on the best part. I have nothing to fear when I'm inside the will of God. Key idea number three. Last thought. When I step outside my comfort zone, my comfort zone gets bigger. I have uh, had a... I've done the exact same thing that Mr. Bean did. Not on a diving board, um, but uh, on a cliff. Crystal Falls down in Apples Valley, a bunch of friends jumping off the cliff into the into the little pool below. And I went up and I'm like, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna run to the edge. Oh no, I can't do it. And I turned around and I walked back down. I couldn't do it. I tried a couple times, just couldn't confessing I didn't have the nerve for it. Um, my kids have done the equivalent uh, in the pool, water slides and stuff like that, you know. They'll they'll climb up to the top of the water slide and they'll get ready to go and then they'll check it out and they'll walk back down. The steps. Well, one time we were doing that in Perth Andover, and uh, I was, I was, at the, I was in the water, and I was saying, "Come on, buddy, you can do it." And sitting at the top of the slide, trying to figure out if you can do it. Come on, buddy. I'm like Jesus calling to Peter. Come on, come on, you can do it. I'm gonna catch you. It's okay. And then Mummy comes along and takes his hand. Says, "I'll hold your hand as you go down." And she does that, and he's able to do it. So he does that, and then he wants to do it again. Same thing. Mummy holds his hand. And he does it. And then the third time, guess what? He doesn't need mommy to hold his hand anymore. When he he stepped outside his comfort zone, and then his comfort zone got bigger, and then for the rest of the day, up and down the slide constantly on his own. And that's a perfect illustration of what happens to us when we step outside our comfort zones. Uh, In John Ortberg's book, and if if you haven't picked up on it by now, a lot of what I'm sharing this morning comes from his book. If you want to walk on the water, you've got to get out of the boat. So if you want a good read, that's a good one. This is an illustration from his book. And he's in the middle here. He talks about about our original comfort zone. This This is the things that we're comfortable with. But then, uh, and then, you know, way beyond, you might see something you got, there's no way I'm ever going to do that. But if you just take a step of faith into the next ring, right? If you just do something that is outside your comfort zone, but not way beyond off the map of something that you feel comfortable doing, but just take that, that, that the ring around the center is, is the ring of optimal growth, right? That's where you take that step into that area, and then your comfort zone expands a little bit. And then then you take another step of faith, and your comfort zone expands more and more and more and more until there's more and more things that you are able to do. This is how we grow. This is how we grow. Now, if I could have the ushers come, I want to give you guys um, a handout. If I have the ushers come and hand these out. And by the way, I noticed we didn't take up the offering. We will do that at the end of the service. So I'm not taking up the offering right now. I'm handing out something. So if ushers could come, please.
right on up. And I want you to hand these out to every single person who gets one of these. Okay? And you're also going to need a pen or a pencil. There should be some in the seats in front of you. And if you don't have one and you need one, um, you can raise your hand and we'll make sure someone gets you one. So don't go reading ahead now. Just wait till I explain what we're doing. And I actually need one of those too. I gave them all away, but I need one. So can no, you need it. Uh, I'll Thank you, sir. <clears throat> there should be enough for everybody. I don't just want to, uh, you know, preach this message and then you go home and you have lunch and uh, you kind of forget. Uh, I, I really think it's important that we um, actually do take some concrete action on the, these things. Whenever we hear the Word of God preached, what does that mean for me? Well, here's a chance for you to do something about it. Um, 52, I, wrote, I made up this list yesterday, 52 ways to get out of the boat. These are some ideas of next steps that you might take to get out of your comfort zone, to step into that next ring. Uh, in your area of optimal growth. And maybe you already know, maybe you're thinking as I'm preaching this message, oh, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do that I'm not doing. I need to get out of the boat, need to get away from my comfortable life. And by the way, I just say this. Uh, we need boat days, okay? So it's, it's okay. We need Sabbath. We need rest. So none of those things I talked about of, you know, watching TV and scrolling through Facebook, that stuff's not in and of itself bad. Um, we have to have a balanced life. But we can't live 24-7 that kind of life. There's more. God is calling us to something more. Um, but yeah, it, you, may, you may already know, what is God calling me to, to do? But maybe you don't. You need an idea. You need, some, you need to get some ideas stirring in your heart. So that's why I've got this uh, 52 ways to get out of the boat. And we're going to go over this. Um, and three things. One, as we read something... If that's already something that you would say is in your spiritual comfort zone, maybe it's something you already do, it's, it's something that you think would be super easy for you, um, just put a check mark by that thing as we go down the list. Just put a check mark by something that you think is already well within your comfort zone. Um, some other things are going to be way beyond what you think God is calling you to do. Um, and you can just ignore those things. Those are the things that are several rings away. Um, but then there's other things on the list, things that the thought of it makes you uncomfortable, and you're not sure you'd be able to do it, but you think, gee, that really is something maybe I should consider. So when you come to those things that you go, hmm, I just wonder if maybe that's something that I could do. Circle those things, okay? Circle, so a check mark by the things that you think are easy or that you already do or that are well within your comfort zone. Uh, skip, ignore the things that are way outside your comfort zone and then circle the things that you think are just outside your comfort zone, that are things that maybe you could possibly consider doing. Thanks, Danny. Okay, so here we go. Number one, reach out in friendship to a next-door neighbor. Invite people from church into your home for a meal. 
Invite neighbors into your home for a meal. Make a meal or dessert for a neighbor and deliver it to them. Who's that, uh, the president? The, uh, Jimmy Carter. He teaches Sunday school, even to this day, in his church in uh, Georgia, wherever he's from. And, uh, and in his church, he has this thing called the Jimmy Carter Sunday School Challenge. And his challenge is to his Sunday school class every Sunday, uh, when you go home, I want you to bake a cake and take it to your neighbor. That's his Sunday school challenge. Get to know your neighbors. Uh, number five, take a college student out for lunch. Man, when I was in college and there was people in the church that I attended that said, hey, can I take you out for lunch or can I do your laundry? Or, like, it was the best thing ever. Um, where are we at here? Number six, trust in Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you're here today. And for you, the step of faith that you need to take is a first-time decision to commit to following Jesus Christ. A first-time decision to repent of your sin and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe that's it for you. I hope it is. If it is, tell me that you've made that decision. I'd love to help you with that. Number seven, get baptized. Some of you have become Christians. You have been saved, and you've never followed him in obedience through the waters of baptism. Well, guess what? The last Sunday in April, the last Sunday in April, we're going to have a baptism here. So get your name on the list. Talk to me about that. Become a member of the church officially. If you attend this church regularly, we consider you unofficial members, but we do have a membership list, and if you want to become an official member of the church, you can do that. Commit to more consistent church attendance. Join a small group or Bible study. Host a small group in your home. Lead a small group. Volunteer with our youth ministry. Volunteer with our kids ministry. Both of those areas, we need more volunteers. Work less and make less money so you can focus more time and attention on family, church, and your relationship with God. Now, that might sound like one of those totally unrealistic things. Guess what? My dad, when I was a little boy, he was a truck driver, and he was making good money. He had really good money, really good benefits, uh, but he was always gone. And he had just accepted Christ. He was a new Christian, and he couldn't barely go to church, couldn't be with his family. When he was home, he was sleeping. And so guess what he did? He quit his job. And he took a job working on a farm, making a lot less money, no benefits, but he was home. And he could take us to church. And it was the best thing that ever happened in our family. I don't know if I'd be here today if he hadn't made that decision. So it's not so unrealistic, maybe. 16, begin praying for an unsaved friend. 17, share the gospel or your testimony with someone who you love who may be ready to hear it. Invite a friend to church. Take a spiritual retreat. Reach out to a pastor or Christian friend for support. Join a ministry team in the church. Volunteer at your school or in your community. Take on a night shift at Hub House. I went down the other day and had a tour of Hub House, Hub House and uh, saw the work that they do. They need help. They need more volunteers. Start serving once a month at Trey. Commit to getting on a budget and getting out of debt so you can become more generous. Begin tithing 10% of your income. 
Make a commitment to financially support the Step Lebanon project. Quit your job and pursue full-time ministry. Start praying for and supporting a missionary and write to them. Go on a missions trip. Become a missionary. Visit people in prison. We have a prison here in Truro. Take action against a persistent sin in your life. 34, start the Bible reading plan. This week, we're going to finish Acts and move into Genesis. It's a great time to get started. Book of Genesis. 35, send occasional emails, messages, letters, cards, or phone calls to people to encourage them. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know, I'm a senior and I'm 87 years old and I don't much, much I can do, but I'm stuck at home most of the time. Well, you could make a phone call, encourage someone. Visit seniors and shut-ins and pray with them. Join a club or start a new hobby that will force you to get to know new people and be a light for Jesus. Sell your home, downsize, and use the savings to fund missions work. That's another one that sounds pretty extreme, but that's the testimony of uh, another man, um, uh, Ron Sider. Ron Sider wrote a great book called Rich Christians in the Age of Hunger. And... Uh, his experience was, here I am living in this beautiful home and spending all this money to maintain a lifestyle when people around the world are starving to death. I don't need to live like this. And he sold his home and he downsized into a bungalow and he funds mission with the money that he saved. Uh, where are we at? Number 39. Register to become a foster parent. Apologize to someone you hurt in the past. Forgive someone who hurt you in the past. Step up in a big way to fill a ministry need in the church. Take the first steps towards launching a new ministry. Intentionally cut something from your schedule so you can do what matters more. Put away your phone, turn off the TV, and read a good Christian book instead. Start a prayer journal. Take or audit a course at Acadia Divinity College. Reach out with unconditional love to a friend or family member who needs support. Stand up publicly for the sake of vulnerable people, indigenous, the homeless, the unborn, people with mental illness. Make that call and go get counseling. I even put the number there for you. Pay to send a kid to Camp Peguiac. And 52 is other, whatever you think. Maybe you've got something else that you could think of. Could the worship team come, please? Here's what I want you to do before you put that sheet away. Choose one thing from the things that you circled and make that a short-term goal. One thing of the things that you circled, just one. Say, I'm going to start with this one. I think God is stirring up something this morning. Today may be a turning point for you. Praise God. God is more for you than the boredom of the boat. God doesn't want you to fall asleep on the Christian cruise to heaven. That's not what it's about. I'm missing out if I'm still on the boat. I have nothing to fear when I'm inside the will of God when I step outside my comfort zone 
My comfort zone gets bigger. You can go ahead and start playing, guys. It's time to get out of the boat and start walking on water. Amen? Ooh, that was a weak amen. Let's try it again. It's time to get out of the boat and start walking on water. Amen? Amen. Don't turn back at the hard part because you'll miss out on the best part.